Welcome to the first episode of Babel with Brennan presented by Movie Babel. I'm your host, Brennan Dubay. In this first episode, we will talk about the best films of 2019 so far. You can subscribe to the Movie Babel mailing list at moviebabelreviews.com, and you can check out other Movie Babel related content on our YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Babble with Brennan. This is presented by Movie Babble. Uh, no better guest to have on uh, than the CEO of Movie Babble himself, Nick Cush, the head honcho. How's it going? What's going on, Brennan? This is really cool. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what this is. I guess it's just kind of me just kind of taking control, being your first guest. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on. This is really cool. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I thought no, no better person to have on than the, than the man himself, the head honcho of Movie Babble. Um, so let's get into it. We're going to talk about uh, the best movies of 2019 so far. We're pretty much halfway through the year, so we thought this was a good kind of topic to start off with. So we, we wanted to do it a little bit interesting. Uh, we made three different categories to talk about, uh, the first one being the surprisingly great movies of 2019, um, some ones that maybe we weren't too sure about going into, but they ended up being pretty entertaining, pretty solid overall. We also got uh, the under-the-radar hits, some movies that definitely deserve some more attention and some more love. And then also some of the best box office hits, some of the biggest box office movies that turned out to be really good movies as well. And not looking at you, um, Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. All right. out for Alita. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. So, Nick, you got three movies there for your surprisingly great movies of 2019. Let's go. All righty. Well, my first one is a film, obviously, that I really loved, or else I wouldn't be talking about it here. Uh, but it's... Something it's one of those movies that is just so odd and bizarre that I love it, but I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. And if you don't like it, then I can kind of understand why. And that is High Life, uh, Claire Denis' first English language film. Uh, this movie is visually arresting and bizarre and um, kind of gross at times. And uh, I guess for those who haven't seen it, it's kind of the way I would explain it, it's so hard to explain this movie, but it's it's really just a movie about taboos. Um, so and that and that rolls into the discussion of kind of what makes us human because we're built off of these social structures and how and like the kind of the sensations that we get from either some like sexual pleasure or any kind of like violence or things like that. And within like this crazy scenario, so we have a bunch of I guess to say cons that are flown into space and Juliette Pinoche is just doing weird sex experiments on them. And we kind of see how um, basically their humanity is kind of stripped away in these really interesting ways. So all these acts like, like sex and violence and all these, they're not really, there's not, there's no emotional attachment to any, to them anymore. And it's just sort of looking at them. as just kind of like a human need, which is just, or just a really interesting way to look at these type of issues and uh this movie is just really bizarre it's it's edited kind of i could see where a lot of people would be frustrated because it's really it's circular and it's editing and kind of it goes back and forth between different things between different times and um either on earth with these characters or just back in space or robert pattinson just by himself with his little child and 
Um, but it really just served this really fascinating look and again into kind of just what makes us all human. And I mean, that can kind of sound pretentious at times, but I think this movie does it really, really well. Um, yeah, and for sure. I mean, throw in the concept of just being in space as well for some of this. I think that makes it uh, intriguing for many audiences. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's Claire Denis is it's really minimalistic in the way she shoots this. Like they're kind of they're on the they're getting nearer to a black hole, and that's kind of where this all this kind of meets ahead. Uh, but it's really dark. There's hardly any stars out in space. Just it's like this black void. Uh, which also has some thematic elements, if you want to look into it that way as well. Um, uh, it's and The last thing I want to say about this movie is uh, just another great performance from Robert Pattinson. It's just This is just another reason why, I mean, ever since, like, you need, we need to stop talking about Twilight. <laughs> I mean, Twilight was, like, forever ago, and Robert Pattinson has kind of made an amazing career for himself ever since, and with movies like High Life and Good Time and, um, he's just in Cosmopolis and just all these really interesting indie films. And he's kind of broken out as an incredible performer. Uh, I mean, he has all the money in the world from Twilight. So he's just kind of doing what interests him at this point, um, which, if you think about it, could make, make Batman a really interesting idea for as a movie. But uh, yeah, Robert Pattinson is just really strong in this movie he carries it kind of on his shoulders and there's also some uh, fun andre 3000 in there uh he's a little underused <laughs> as a side character but he's there and he gets his gets his punches in um uh this movie is just really fascinating and it's just one of those where i just can't really stop thinking about it um yeah it's really great i love this movie yeah for sure and i think that's something that definitely needs to get out to the masses that robert pattinson has a lot of talent and i think that uh when kind of a lot of people that only know him for Twilight, when they start to realize that, yeah, this guy's a pretty good actor, I think they're going to be, um, people are not going to be as weary about, say, um, Christopher Nolan's big blockbuster next year or the uh, upcoming Matt Reeves Batman flick. I think that that's something that we definitely need to push out there. Robert Pattinson is a good actor. Oh, for sure. And I think it was actually really surprising, at least with within my sphere on Twitter, where there wasn't really like any backlash to him being announced as Batman a lot of I mean a lot of people like us who just see a ton of movies were like oh cool Robert Pattinson's a great actor um and so we've kind of already started to do that which is really cool because I mean if you've seen Good Time it's just one of that's one of the most just intense and animalistic performances I've seen in a really long time so yeah it's Robert Pattinson is just great and I he's at the point now after High Life where if he's in something um, I'm going to go see it because he's really interesting and he makes really interesting choices as an actor and he, he's really okay with kind of staying quiet and kind of being reserved or just doing the exact opposite in scenes. Like he's, he is a very smart performer and I really love watching that in this day and age. Good stuff. All right. Then I guess I'll go to my second film here, which um, is kind of, Film Twitter's like wet dream, and this is Booksmart. <laughs> um, if you've been on Twitter and you have that one friend who's seen a lot of movies, they're just they can't stop talking about Booksmart, and they're yelling at you to go see it, uh, but you're annoyed because you don't want to just get just to dive into that. It's just kind of annoying people are talking about it all the time, but it's really great, and I love this movie a lot. Um, I know you've seen this one, but I. To me, this is kind of super bad for the next generation. It's the same type of premise. We have, instead of this time, instead of 
two two guys, you had two girls going through one wild night trying to get into the fun parties and party one last time before they go off to college and start their lives. And uh, this movie, it's just a really great update of that of that super bad premise. Uh, I still think that super bad is aged really nicely. Um, mm-hmm. But it's I think this movie is decidedly 2019 and the way it carries itself and how it handles its themes and just how open and kind it is to just all walks of life. I mean, this cast is really diverse um, and not just diverse in terms of like skin color or things like that. Like people are just very different than what you typically see in movies. Um, people, they're just very alternative looking. They have a lot of tattoos. They just, they talk differently. They have a different cadence and all that stuff is just really fascinating to see. Um, and I, there's multiple stars in this movie that I can already tell, like Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deaver are just unbelievable as the two leads. Oh, they're, they're Billy, they really, they really do a great job in this film. Yeah, they're, they're really great. And they kind of put this, they put this movie on their backs, if you will. And then you have Billy Lord, who is just outrageous in this movie who's Carrie Fisher's kid and she seems like she's going to have a a really long lasting career in Hollywood if she wants it uh, apparently Olivia Wilde and the other screenwriters basically they didn't realize how great Billy Lord was until I got to set and so when she started riffing they just started writing new scenes for her and writing writing new lines for her like right on the spot because they just, they just said we need more of her in this movie um, and you can just tell because she's just she's fucking hilarious in this movie, and she's it's kind of that it's like she's like the one like surreal element of this movie where she just kind of pops up everywhere. <laughs> she just meets like our yeah. two leads at every party, and she can somehow just kind of teleport from place to place, and that's really really funny. Uh, what did you what did you think of this movie? I know you didn't quite like it as me as much as me, right? Yeah, no, I, I did enjoy this movie a lot. I thought it was a great time for sure. It's not one that I would give as much praise as you have. Um, and not for, I don't have many gripes uh, with this film. I just, it didn't reach a certain level for me that I'm going to say I love this movie, but I thought it was really funny, really great. And I would definitely watch it again. I mean, it was it was a fun time for sure. And it's funny that you said that, that they kind of were writing new uh, new lines, new scenes for her, um, trying to get her in the movie, movie more. Uh, her character, you can kind of see how that kind of played out 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's. I think that really speaks to Olivia Wilde had a really strong hold in this movie. I love the way she directed this movie. Um, sure. There's one scene in particular where we just we just watch um, Caitlin Deaver's character kind of jump in the pool, and all the sound kind of fades away, and it's just kind of like this drone, and you see all of like these really bad revelations come about, but there's really no sound to speak of other than this drone sound. And you're just following her throughout the pool and she goes back inside and then she starts arguing with Beanie Feldstein and all that's just really dynamically filmed. And that just kind of goes for the rest of this movie as well. I'm, I, we're going to talk about another, um, Olivia Wilde, uh, project later on. And, but this, this is just a really cool way for her to kind of, put her stamp on Hollywood. Cause I've always, I've always really liked Olivia Wilde. Um, but the projects haven't really matched her potential. I feel like, I feel like she's always been the good part or at least the, it's not her fault part of a bad movie, <laughs> you know, like she's always been really charismatic and she's obviously just gorgeous to look at. And, but she just never quite, she just never really found that one thing that put her hat on and seems like maybe she's a director uh she's she's book smart's great and yeah, i kind of sure. I, I can't wait to see her direct more things i think this was a, a 
a great directorial debut. And I think when we look back um, at 2019, by the end of the year, we'll definitely be saying this is probably one of the better directorial debuts, if not one of the best of the year. Yeah, the, I, I was shocked. Um, I saw the trailer for this movie. It's directed by Olivia Wilde. Like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I just didn't really expect this from her. Um, but yeah, kudos to her. She This is great. And I mean, Booksmart isn't doing entirely too well at the box office, This was, which is kind of a shame. But it's one of those things where she's definitely going to get another project because it was just movie was just so clearly like well made and crafted from her uh, on her side of all this. And this easily could have been incredibly cliched and all those beats are kind of in there if you look hard at it. But um, she kind of obfuscates it really well, which is re- with really great filmmaking filmmaking. So I yeah, kudos to her. Um, yeah, it, for it's, sure. It's really great. I think that this movie definitely might uh, it might take a little bit to find its audience, but I mean it's proven since opening weekend that it it has better legs than we thought it would have coming out the gate, and I think it's still yet to hit a ton of foreign markets. I don't think it'll be a splash hit overseas because it's I, th- I think it's very um, I, I think it's local. Um, I think you have to be like I don't know if people from certain certain other countries would 100% get all the references or jokes in the film, but I think it's a movie that will definitely make some cash overseas and it'll find its audience 100 percent. oh for sure i think that goes back i think that goes for high life as well where just high life is just so strange that there's just going to be an audience for it people just love that kind of stuff you know and but then Booksmart is just so accessible where it's just it's just a great comedy so it just people might flip it on i mean if this gets to netflix at some point that's just going to be the smartest move for the distributors of this film which i think was annapurna but uh yeah like this it, this it was this movie is it's honestly just a matter of time before it finds its audience because uh, it's it's really accessible and kind of I think yeah it's just kind of a movie for everybody in that sense um, mm-hmm. it's just really it's really easy it's light it's funny uh, it's really a lot of charismatic people in it so yeah really 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 great good stuff for Booksmart for sure um, and then I I guess we'll go to my last one of this category which is. The first movie that I saw at Sundance this year, which was really cool, was a great start uh, to my festival, which which was the uh, documentary Apollo 11, um, which is, I think it's at this point, one of the best performing documentaries of 2019 in terms of box office success. It's made almost nine million. uh, And it's it's one of those really cool instances where history and film kind of intersected. Um, So this the story behind this movie was that it's, I mean, it's the 50th anniversary this year of the Apollo 11 mission and the moon landing. So there was always going to be some type of uh, kind of celebration, if you will, of, of the event. There was always going to be some type of film or some type of special. Uh, so, But then the director of the movie, uh, Todd Douglas Miller, eventually just started working with NASA on the project and kind of looked to see what kind of footage he could use and things like that. And then they, him and NASA and his crew, and they stumbled upon hundreds and thousands of hours of never-before-seen footage and audio reels uh, from the mission and from and Mission Control. And so basically what was just going to be a documentary turned into one of the, like, the most absurd and far, far-reaching um, film preservation um, events of our time, really, because they... They saved all this footage and blew it out to 70, 65, and 70 millimeter from just right for IMAX. And uh, it's really cool to see. This movie is awesome. Uh, it's probably one of the most patriotic movies of the last few years. And 
just kind of the nuts and bolts of this mission. You, you have really good spatial aware, awareness for uh, what mission control is thinking, where all, where the astronauts are in space and what they're thinking about doing next, what's their next move. And they also, um, the director, uh, Todd, Todd Douglas Miller, does a really good job of kind of showing where just ordinary people are in all of this, wh whether they're in Cape Canaveral just kind of watching or people all around the world. So, uh, yeah, this movie uh, is really cool. Uh, it's it's a technical feat. It's probably one of the best of the year. And it's actually a really cool um, companion piece to First Man, uh, which came out last year with Damon Chazelle directing that movie, which is the narrative, the kind of the fictionalization, I guess. I mean, obviously nonfiction, but it's it's, it's the actual movie, <laughs> not a documentary of the story. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of gives you a, a strong appreciation for the first man because they got a lot right in that movie uh just by like the footage in this movie and kind of the actions of the astronauts and i think it's cool to see when a movie comes out it retroactively makes another movie better uh which i think is really neat yeah for sure this is a film that i i adored definitely when i watched it um it's definitely a great theater experience uh i know that it's coming back um i believe in a imax theater near me there's a theater downtown toronto that is uh solely for um imax features and uh, they, they play they play things in i believe they go up to 70 millimeter as well there um so i'm definitely looking into going back down and seeing it for a second time because i think the bigger the screen the better for this type of film um it, it was so wonderful to watch and and what they were able to do you're right it was it was such such a feat the the technical achievement they they had in this film is incredible one of my it's definitely my favorite documentary of the year and it's definitely one of my favorite films of the year thus far as well yeah i think it's i think that re-release is actually just is directly coinciding with the actual anniversaries i think it's i don't know when the exact uh touchdown date was on the moon i think it was july 19th was when they touched down um i know they came back a couple days later um, but yeah, like they're kind of going in with that and I'm pretty sure CNN, it's going to premiere on CNN later this year, uh, yep. which we saw what, which we saw with RBG last year, which is one of the breakout documentaries. Um, so yeah, this is uh, really, yeah, it's, it's virtuosic, honestly. Uh, it's crazy how like the footage that's in this movie where they just had a camera taped to the side of the lunar lander. Yeah, it's and wild. Just, and, you, and you just watch it drop down to the moon from 50,000 feet in space. It's 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 wild. And um, I'd say I would say Avengers Endgame, eat your heart out, because this is probably one of my my favorite IMAX experience of the year. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, for sure. This is, this is something that I definitely want to check out in IMAX. Uh, but yeah, CNN's got some solid solid docs as of late, for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's hear yours. All right, so my three surprisingly great movies of 2019, um, I picked three films that, while they aren't, not all of them are super, um, have a lot of super artistic merit to them. These are films that really struck a chord with me and I really enjoyed. Uh, the first one being Fighting With My Family. This is a movie that, uh, when, it, when it first um, came out in um, February, it was a film that premiered at Sundance as well. I don't know if you heard about anything about it there. But uh, this is a film that came out in February. Um, it's the theatrical release, and it's a WWE production. So I was kind of nervous. <laughs> I didn't. I I, uh, I wasn't 100 percent sure. And I know uh, Dwayne Johnson. He was an executive producer on this, and he really pushed this thing hard. And it's 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 an interesting film. It's a uh, biogra biographical sports um, film about a true story about a um, 
WWE uh, female pro wrestler um, named Paige. She's portrayed by Florence uh, Pugh in this film, and she's she's a great actress, and she really showed that off uh, in this film. This is a movie that when I went into it, I as I said, I was nervous, but I came out with a smile on my face. It's a feel good family film that also um, gets right. Um, all the nuances of family drama and family issues as well. Um, the film doesn't go completely for um, the dramatic, hard-hitting, emotional side of things. It just kind of keeps it real, and um, it's super enjoyable. I think it's it's not only a feel-good film, but it's also a solid family film. Not for, I'd say, the younger audiences, but it, it, it's kind of more of a early teens-type family film that uh, you can watch and really enjoy. Um, it's, it's a film that I've, I've thought about a little bit since, since seeing it, it's a movie that, um, left a little bit of an impact on me. I think just, just the performances from, uh, from most of the family in this cat or in this film, all, all really gelled together. They, they really felt natural and it's a movie that I, I definitely want to check out again. I remember when it first came out, all the, uh, reviews for it were saying first great movie of uh, 2019 and I, I think it I think it was I think it was a pretty pretty solid film and by the end of the year I don't know where this will rank on my uh, favorites of the year but it's one that um, I definitely have continued to think about a little bit since seeing it it's just a feel-good movie that I would definitely recommend for most if not all audiences uh, did you check this one out at all or no yeah I thought this movie was delightful I really liked it a lot. Uh, it's like you said, it's it's really, really nice. And um, people are just kind of working hard. And I think it it's it's funny because it is a WWE production. So it shows WWE in a in a good light. But from that perspective, it's just kind of just showing that this is really hard. Like even though maybe it's not the most real thing in the world, like it's still really mm-hmm. physically demanding and really tough for these people like these guys are athletes and they have to learn so many different moves or else they can hurt themselves or hurt the other person in the ring. Uh, yeah, I really like this movie. Florence Pugh is having a little bit of a moment now cause, uh, she's, uh, she was in this and she was great and she's going to be in Ari Aster's Midsummer, oh, yeah. uh, which comes out in a, in a couple weeks or I guess in next week, uh, when we're recording this one. Yeah, it's really real. And then she's, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's going to be in the black widow movie as well. So, um, that's, she's, definitely on the rise and she's great. And this is cool. Cool job by Steven Merchant who directed this movie. Um, I just yeah, didn't, sure. I know, I know he's directed this, he's directed before, but I just didn't really see this out of him. So yeah, this is, this is really cool. This is, yeah, it's really delightful there. I really love how they didn't shoehorn in a love interest. It's like one of the few like family dramas that doesn't do that. It's just about um, this page character, just like becoming a better person and learning to like herself and, that's just really great. That's just a really delightful movie. I like this one a lot. Yeah, for sure. And Stephen Merchant, that's another guy that I got to kind of give a shout out to for this because I think he really did the dialogue and the comedy well. Everything feels really smooth and natural. It is a pretty delightful film. And I also got to give props to Jack Loudon. He played uh, Zodiac Zack. <laughs> Her uh, uh, Florence, Florence. Great Florence. nickname. Yeah, the, the brother. Uh, he was the brother in this. And I think he, he gave one of the stronger performances in the film just because of what his character kind of went through emotionally and with with uh, jealousy and uh just kind of family family issues that are quite common i thought it was done well i mean it's a movie that i didn't have much of an expectation for going in and that's why i put it on this list because i was quite surprised and i really enjoyed it yeah i mean it's a little it's a little slight um it's definitely like yeah like you had to like jog my memory a little bit like oh yeah i saw that movie and i really liked it um mm-hmm. but it's it's one it's wonderful it's really heartfelt and it just it just works it's a good old-fashioned movie 
<laughs> you know, yeah. it just works. Yeah, yeah. It just works on all fronts. For sure. The next one I got here is Arctic. Uh, that's a film by Joe Pena. And I must say, this is a movie that really um, took my breath away. Uh, it, it, I saw it pretty recently. Um, so I don't know a lot of the background on this film. I know that uh, Mads Mikkelsen said it was one of the hardest uh, films of his career that he had to shoot. I know it was shot in Iceland over the course of a couple of weeks. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty good survival film. It's a movie that um, with this type of film, I don't I'm I'm always a little bit uh, skeptical going into survival films because I don't know like I'm always a little bit nervous. Uh, the di- there's barely any dialogue in the film, but it works 100% because it just feels so real. It, it's not that Hollywood at all. It's very raw. The visuals are incredible. I think the cinematography is beautiful. Um, all the Arctic shots, um, Iceland. What a great place to uh, shoot shoot this film. Um, and it it really really is a gritty movie and it shows kind of the what you have to go through sometimes i mean this is a rare situation obviously what kind of happens in the film you have uh maz nicholson um his character he, he gets stranded in the north after his plane goes down it's in the arctic circle um and upon waiting for rescue he kind of just has to go through a little journey uh with himself and a uh potential companion and um it's a pretty interesting watch for sure and it kind of it, it's a perfect runtime as well because these types of films that have not that much dialogue it's all about uh survival human nature these types of films shouldn't always go super long this movie's about an hour um 30 an hour 40 i think it's perfectly paced and it really um was a great kind of intense thriller at times as well just seeing what he has to go through um it felt really raw though that was that's my biggest um uh biggest bright spot about the film it didn't feel hollywood it didn't it wasn't glorified it's a really raw film really gritty and it's one that i would recommend for sure yeah i really love this movie i this is one i i unfortunately missed in theaters i think those icelandic shots would have been really awesome to see in a big wide screen um but yeah i caught up with this movie later on and it is really great um like as you mentioned like there's just long stretches in this movie without dialogue it's just sort of Mads Mikkelsen either like fishing Mm -hmm. or tending to his wounds and there's some really just some just terrifying shots of frostbite <laughs> on, oh, yeah. on his limbs in this movie. It's just, it's, it, it's, it's, it's brutal as you said, and it's, but it's not aggressively. So um, it's just kind of just capturing the moment. Um, and I believe Joe Pena was actually a cool story. He was a once just a YouTuber and this is actually just his first movie. He did a bunch of short films and things like that. I forgot. He has a pretty famous uh, YouTube name, but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but uh yeah, he went and filmed this movie, shot on a budget, $2 million, uh, and it's really great. And Mads Mikkelsen is awesome in this movie, and it's so cool to see him outside of, like, the typical villain role or something like that. Because, I mean, he's, yeah. he's the villain in everything. Like, he's that guy. It's like, it's him, uh, Danny Houston, and um, what's-his-face from Ready Player One and all those other movies. <laughs> like, all of them are just, they're all the villains. Yeah. Um, and every single thing. And it's really cool to see like a lot of humanity in him and him just want to survive. And uh, it's great. And, there, and, then, and then there's a polar bear. <laughs> and then it's, it's, oh, yeah. it, it's great. I really like this movie a lot. And there's a great score too. That's the last thing I'll mention. Oh yes. hundred percent. The score in this film is one of the best of the year. hundred percent. That's, that's one thing that uh, I forgot about for a second. The score in this movie is really, really good. And it really uh, kind of maintains the vibe throughout the entire um, film. And it kind of, plays a great role because there's not much dialogue as we were saying the score is just it's terrific 
Yeah, and it, and it's sort of yeah, like you said, it, it kind of undertones everything. Where it's it's not one of those scores that like tells you what to feel at every moment, but it's always it's always there, and you always notice it in a way that really just kind of brings a lot to the environment of this film, and kind of makes you feel for the characters a little more, makes the emotions a little little richer. Uh, it's really great. It's really good. Good job by whoever did the score. I don't know his name, but good job. <laughs> and the, uh, the the YouTube name is Mystery Guitar Man. That's what it was. I knew there was a, I knew there was a guitar in there somewhere, but I didn't want to botch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a film that premiered at uh, Cannes Film Festival back in May of last year. So it took a little while before it got out. Um, hit theaters in February. Um, but yeah, it's a movie that I I would definitely recommend. Uh, it's it's just really a it's a great watch for sure, and just the visuals and uh, you also feel for the guy a lot when things go right for him. Um, it is so real. It's just such a raw film that. It is, as you said, kind of capturing the moment. When things go right for him, you really feel it in you. You're like, oh, yeah, great job, dude. Then when things go bad, you really feel for him as well. You're kind of like, oh, oh crap. Oh, that's not good. Because it just it feels so real. Yeah, and he, he he's fishing, and he gets to one day he catches a really big fish, and you're oh, like, yeah. yeah, go, Mads Mickelson. Go, that was go awesome. survive. <laughs> you're doing it. And, it, yeah, it really it really plays off those small moments, and they makes them, makes them seem really big because, you know, it's – I mean – if you were stranded out there, like finding a massive fish to eat would be could be the difference between life or death if you were malnourished or something like that. So it's they really bring a lot of um, expertise to those areas. And yeah, I, this movie's great. I really loved it. I I don't really have anything bad to say about it, <laughs> other than there's just a lot of survival movies. So I'm sure people just kind of skipped it out of principle because they saw like the mountain between us or whatever god awful. St- uh, movies there are because there's a lot of bad survival movies out there that are just really just cheap and they're they're overly emotional and everything's overblown and th- this is not that and i hope people seek this out because it's really great yeah for sure um the last one i got into li- this list this is kind of what i was saying not really not really a film that i chose for artistic merit it's a documentary it's uh the fire festival documentary by netflix fire the greatest party that never happened. And the reason I put this on here is because I didn't know too much about this incident. Um, I see this uh, thing drop on Netflix, this documentary, and it was kind of gaining a lot of traction on social media. It was trending. A lot of people were talking about it um, just because it's such a wild, bizarre situation. Um, so I watched this uh, documentary, and it's so engrossing and entertaining. I loved I loved the documentary, and, and by the end, I was looking up so, so much stuff that had to do with this. I think it did its job in engaging the audience and making you want to know more, making you want to know every little thing there is about this uh, festival because it's just, it's awful what happened. Um, now, the merits of this documentary, we were talking about this before we came on because it is co-produced um, by Jerry Media uh, and it is pretty much just throwing Billy McFarland under the bus the whole time. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but that aside it's really entertaining it's really interesting and it's it's a documentary that i would definitely recommend to people because it kind of it blows your mind that this can actually um happen Uh, yeah it's it's one of those documentaries that comes along along it kind of makes me think of three identical strangers from last year where it's the it's it's the two it's the two crazy to be true true story it's just strange stranger than fiction almost 
um, yeah, I, this movie is it's incredibly entertaining. Uh, it's just that one little bit about eh, like Jerry Media is involved. Like, so like how much of it can we trust really? But um, I just besides that, like it's ridiculously entertaining, and it kind of just shows like the power of Netflix in 2019 because this movie goes in the theaters. It's like just people like you and me are kind of talking about it, but this, this caught on like crazy and everyone with this like owned like everything on film Twitter or just Twitter in general for like one or two weeks. And it was, it was a sensation when it first came out in January. So yeah, this is it's the perfect um, Netflix documentary. I think it's the perfect type of documentary to drop on Netflix because it's just, it, it's, it's rooted in pop culture. All the people that were involved with it, all the, uh, instagram uh celebrities and stuff like that that kind of it's the perfect um spot to drop this um drop this on it, it was definitely great yeah shout out to ja rule <laughs> <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah you hate to see it uh but uh so that wraps up my three for the surprisingly great movies of 2019 the next um category here this is a very important one it's the under the radar hits kind of some of the films that we believe deserve a lot more attention um, Nick, you got three pretty interesting ones here. I've never, I haven't seen any of the three, so, uh, that should be fun. So take it away. Oh, good. This is gonna be fun. All right. So my first one is a movie that like Arctic also premiered at Cannes last year. Um, it's an A24 movie. Um, I kind of got uh, middling reviews at Cannes. People either loved it or hated it or just had no idea what to do with it. Uh, so they kept pushing its release date back. It was supposed to come out in um, like late last summer. Then it got moved to Christmas time-ish. Then it got moved to this year. And then the last second, A24 just kind of dumped it onto VOD and a few theaters. But that was really it. Uh, and then this movie is Under the Silver Lake. Um, <laughs> it's uh, really... I, I don't know what to make of this movie still. Uh, it is... It is a puzzle in every sense of the word. And so just to give some context, it's directed by David Robert Mitchell. Um, this is his follow-up to uh, It Follows. So great, great horror film. Um, it was really widely successful. So he got a bunch of money and then a bunch of financiers said, financiers said, hey, do whatever you want with your next movie. So he said, okay. And so he made <laughs> Under the Silver Lake, which is, it's really hard to describe this movie. It's, so it stars Andrew Garfield, and what it, what it is essentially, if I can boil it down somewhat, is uh, Andrew Garfield's character is kind of the Big Lebowski. Um, he's okay. kind of he's a, he's a slacker. He doesn't really have a job. He's just kind of living on the outskirts um, of L.A. and Silver Lake, um, and he's just kind of going about his business. And he, he meets up with a girl who shows up in his apartment complex, played by Riley Keough. Uh, and then she disappears. And it's all about him just trying to follow clues to see where she's gone. Um, uh, that's, that seems like it's kind of accessible, but this movie isn't like at all. <laughs> it's one big uh, like tip of the cap to old, to old Hollywood with uh, there's a, there's a Bernard Herman style score. Uh, it's really classical, really classic and, the cinematography is drenched like the like old old Hollywood, and there's just really bizarre uh, just allusions to horror, and there's just like a like a naked woman walking around with an owl <laughs> face. Uh, <laughs> this movie is insane, and there's just really weird fits of violence. And basically, what it comes down to is it's a discussion of conspiracy theories, 
and how, what we take from finding these little strands that go from beat to beat. Um, and then also within that, it has a lot to say about the about Hollywood in general, about how we treat women in the industry and kind of the kind of the seedy underbelly that kind of came out of Me Too. I think this is actually a really interesting take on that kind of thing. And um, but this, I can't say I recommend this movie to anybody. Uh, you you either gonna know you're gonna love it or you're gonna hate it. It's one of those movies that's at a 56 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, that's about right. Uh, it's it's I, I really love this movie. Uh, I think it's really fascinating, and I want to watch it many more times because it's it's actively trying to not make sense at times, and with its whole conspiracy uh, theory elements to it. Um, it's bizarre. And then Andrew Garfield is doing wacky stuff, and he's really great in the movie. And he has like a kind of like a taxi driver esque um, take, like kind of uh, kind of overarching arc in this movie and uh it's it, this movie it, it's so weird i can't really describe it <laughs> i tried <laughs> and that yeah, doesn't you know really, that doesn't really this, even give credit this is a movie that i uh, was looking forward to so many times and every time they push back the release date i just got more and more discouraged um because i think andrew garfield's one of the best in the business right now um and uh just the premise itself i was looking forward to this thing for a long time and uh it, it's kind of weird that it kind of just kind of fell off um and it didn't like i think it definitely lost a lot of steam and that's that's a this is a movie that i was looking forward to so i'm definitely going to check it out um sounds interesting sounds like uh, a solid solid time so it's it's a movie that i'm definitely looking forward to yeah it's it's obviously the movie that that um the director wanted to make David Robert Mitchell. He obviously wanted to make this was his final product, and it's so clearly his vision. It's just a matter if you're on board or not. Because um, right. just for some people, they're just going to see this as a bunch of nothing, and there's just nothing that connects anything. Uh, but I think, I, from my perspective, I really, I really, really love this movie. And I think if you really try hard enough, there is some stuff to pick out there. So that's why I wanted to mention it. Um, I really like it. Um, so. From there, we'll kind of move on to a, a film that's definitely much more accessible, which is which is called Little Woods. Um, and I'm actually surprised this movie didn't catch on like at all because it has two great leads. It stars Tessa Thompson and Lily James. Uh, just just great right off the bat. It's just awesome. And then so they live in the town of Little Woods. I believe it's North Dakota. I think it's one of those really dreary, cold states, <laughs> kind of in the Midwest. Yep. Um, and essentially what happens is there, uh, Tessa Thompson is, she is on parole. She's about to leave. Uh, she has a few, she has one more week on it before she's free. Then she's applying the new jobs and she's going to leave the town and kind of restart her life. Um, but her, her half sister or friend, uh, Lily James, uh, is really struggling to make ends meet. She has a child, um, a second one is possibly on the way, uh, and she has no place to stay. She lives in her van, and it's kind of about – basically what it's about is Tessa Thompson making the choice to kind of kind of get back into selling drugs, and she, she sold drugs before. So that's what got her in trouble the first time, and it's, it works with her just kind of, kind of having to go back into the seedy, seedy other underbelly of this town to help out those that she loves. And it really, I think it ties in really well with kind of like the circle of poverty and crime that comes about in kind of in blue collar areas where it's just people have no choice 
Uh, they really want to do good, but their circumstances leave them no choice to do what to do otherwise. And this movie plays really well off of that. And it's, I think it's no coincidence that this movie is called little woods. Cause it's, it really paints a portrait of like, not necessarily like this town in general. I've never been to little woods. Maybe it's great. I don't know, but it just kind of <laughs> shows it kind of, it shows that kind of feel in this kind of blue collar town where people are striving to work really hard every day and make ends meet. And one bad thing comes their way and all of a sudden they can't pay for anything. Um, so it's really great performances by Tessa Thompson and Lee James. Uh, this is one I would definitely recommend. It's incredibly accessible. It's really great and it has a lot on its mind. And it's just, it's under different hands. It's It could be like a thriller where they get involved the cops and the cops chase them and they're on this wild goose chase. And it never really gets to that point. And I think it has a lot of interesting things to say instead of that. So this is a really great movie. I can't recommend yeah. it enough. I remember when you uh, first saw it, you shot me a message and you were saying how, how much you liked it and you definitely recommended it. So it's one that I've definitely had on my list for a little bit and I'll check out uh, ASAP for sure. Yeah, it's it's really great. I can't, rec- I can't recommend it enough. It's first-time filmmaker, uh, Nia DaCosta, I believe her name is, and she's really great. I can't wait to see what she does next. Um, but that brings me to my third film, which uh, people who listen to this podcast have heard me freak <laughs> out about before, and that is The Beach Bum. Uh, Harmony Kareem's newest film, uh, The Beach Bum, is the greatest thing ever. Uh, I love this movie, um, but I think I'm the only one who who did, which is why I'm, I mentioned it in this category. It's a uh, 55% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, so that's not ideal. Um, but also, Harmony Kareem is very much an acquired taste. Um, I've mentioned this before, but one of his movies is called uh, Trash Humpers. <laughs> and it's liter- and it's literally that uh, there is that is that is not some type of innuendo or any type of metaphor. It's literally people humping trash. Um, so this guy doesn't really kind of conform to any sort of narrative or anything like that. And he kind of that's kind of on full display here. So to get an idea, this is uh, the role that Matthew McConaughey was born to play. Uh, <laughs> his, his character's name is Moon Dog, and he's a once. Um, once famous poet who just kind of does nothing all day. He lives in the Keys down in Florida and just smokes pot and drinks PBRs all day and has a lot of sex. And that's just kind of what he likes to do. And that's all he wants to do. Uh, And it's really interesting because this movie kind of operates on the idea that his happy ending has already happened before the movie starts. Uh, So, which which is why what I think a lot of people didn't really see in this movie. They're like, cause if you look at it, it's face value. It's, Oh, it's just a bunch of wacky vignettes. No one really changes. There's no really arcs. And I think that's kind of the point that Harmony Crane was going for with this movie where, uh, it's just moon, this moon dog character is just happy doing what he's doing. Um, and so he doesn't really want to change and he's just kind of, he's found peace in his life, which I think is really fascinating to, to look at in this way. Um, and there's just a bunch of crazy, crazy uh, comedic cameos. Uh, Jonah Hill kind of sounds like the kind of sounds like the KFC guy. Like he's just <laughs> all over the place. And then Zac Efron is just outrageous. Is one of my favorite cameos ever. Uh, he is hysterical in this movie. Um, I don't even want to spoil it. And then Jimmy Buffett is just there as, as Jimmy <laughs> Buffett. 
Uh, um, the first the first song you hear in the movie is A Pirate Looks at 40 by Jimmy Buffett, and it's just Moondog just chilling out with on his little boat in the water, just hanging out, and it's really great. And then there's Martin Lawrence, who plays a character called Captain Whack, who, uh, who really loves dolphins. He really, really, really loves dolphins more than <laughs> anything. <laughs> um, this movie is hilarious uh, in every way, and it... It really treats the Moondog character with with a level of sincerity and heart, which I I really appreciated because uh, most movies like this would just kind of make this guy change and conform to like societal societal norms, and that's just not what what is in store for this character. And he's just doing what he loves, and I found it really great. Uh, I love this movie; it's so so great. Like <laughs> I could talk about this for hours. So. Um... The director, uh, his two, his kind of his other uh, big film, Spring Breakers. Which one did, did you like more? Um, I think this is out of the movies I've seen with from Harmony Crane. This is my favorite movie of his. Um, okay. <coughs> excuse me. Um, Spring. I think Spring Breakers is really solid. I think it's a really interesting, really scuzzy, another scuzzy beach movie. Uh, maybe this is just what he's going towards now, uh, but um, it's. I think that movie's really solid. But this, I think, this movie's really great. Uh, it's really hilarious in every way. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly, I can't get enough of it, and it might be one of my favorite movies of the year by the end of it. By the end of this, which is crazy to say, but it's it's really great. I love it. Let's get uh, Matthew McConaughey uh, Oscars campaign out exactly. here. Exactly, Moon Dog for Oscar. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's your three for your under the radar hits. Some movies you wanted to give a little more attention. Um, uh, my three uh, start off here with the Mustang. That's a movie that premiered at Sundance as well. And I wanted to kind of ask you real quick, did you hear any buzz about this when you were there? I did actually, it was, um, there's just so much great stuff to see at Sundance, which is just why I was in heaven for that week. I was there. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just one of the movies I just never got around to and it got great reviews going out of it. And obviously you liked it because we're talking about it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, this is a movie that I, I definitely have to, uh, praise because i'll start with the premise here it's 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 kind of it's based off um things that this is something that does exist it's a rehabilitation program in i believe seven different states kind of out in the west in uh the u.s and and what they do is they take um people in prison and put them through a program where they have to uh train horses and uh, ride horses and kind of get them ready for auctions kind of at the end of the journey uh for them to get auctioned off to, whether that be for people to race or for police force uh, horses, stuff like that. And it's a pretty interesting story. And I'm glad that this film was made just because I'm, I'm glad that this sort of thing got some attention and that um, this, this sort of thing that happens in the real world now has a little bit of a, a uh, little bit of a light on it. And I'm glad that I got to kind of watch that and get a little bit more educated about this. And it's a pretty cool film. I mean, it's a movie that when you're watching it, I mean, it, it's kind of your, your, um, I wouldn't say typical, but it's kind of what you'd expect from an indie drama. It's pretty raw. It's pretty emotional, and it's it's pretty serious, and and it it doesn't um, stray away from what it's trying to hit. All the beats that it's trying to hit. Um, Matthias Schoenarts, he's the main main uh, actor in this film, and he does a great job. I mean, he is he's wonderful. There are a few scenes in this movie where you, you think he's doing a fine job. You're like, yeah, he's pretty good in the lead role. But then there's a couple scenes in this film where he kind of tones it up, and you're like, wow, this guy is really killing it and you really do feel for his character because the film has a lot of themes of kind of forgiveness, uh, overcoming, uh, um, 
overcoming things in your life. He kind of deal his character kind of deals with that throughout the film and kind of deals with that with his horse. And uh, one thing I must say, the film it, it is gritty. I mean, there there aren't a lot of um, happy happy moments in this movie. So I wouldn't. I'd watch it. There's some uplifting moments, but it's not a film that you're gonna watch feel great about afterwards. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but the, but there are some. There are some good good moments in this. Jason Mitchell's in this film as well. He was in uh, Straight Outta Compton. He portrayed Easy A in that film. He was also in um, Detroit, uh, Big Lowe's Detroit, and he was in Mudbound as well. And he was also in uh, Kong Skull Island. I, I remember watching this. I was I kind of <laughs> recognized. Like, what, what do I recognize? I watched a movie that he was in a few weeks ago, and yeah, it was Kong Skull Island. Uh, he does a great Yikes. job in this movie. Bruce Dern's in this movie as well. He does he does a pretty solid job. But this is. Um, Matthias Schoenarts, this is his movie um, and he does a great job in this I definitely recommend this yeah it's definitely one that I need to catch up on it's one that I sadly missed in theaters but yeah I yeah, I really wanted to see this movie and you kind of you kind of really hit that home I need to see this movie like right now <laughs> yeah I mean it's it, it's a pretty like it's one that I would definitely recommend it, it's not like a, kind of what you're trying to say like a high life or under the silver lake it's not kind of that type of indie movie um, that maybe it's for uh, maybe it has an acquired taste. I think this movie is mostly accessible. It's it's a uh, it's it's pretty raw. It's pretty gritty, and I I definitely like it a lot. And I think it's one that will probably stick with me for a little while, especially just just kind of all the um, nuances that went with it as as well. Uh, the next movie on on this list is one that we had a little discussion about uh, a couple days back. It's Ruben Brandt Collector. And this is a movie that I'm so glad that I saw because it doesn't seem like a lot of people have. Um, it's a movie that I was, I believe um, it's a Hungarian film. Um, I'm quite sure, but uh, well, that's where it got its initial release last year, but it came out here in North America, kind of in a limited release just a few months ago. And it's a pretty wild movie. I mean, the premise of this is kind of, you have this, um, this therapist who, who, uh, kind of has nightmares and his life is going insane and they all are kind of rooted in in paintings in famous paintings and he kind of gets his um uh gets the people that he's helping uh that word i'm drawing a blank on that word right now his uh clients <laughs> um he gets them to kind of help him out uh throughout this film and kind of uh get rid of some of these paintings or steal some of these paintings um it, it's a pretty interesting movie and i think it only works with animation, this is a great premise and a great, great story, and I think it only would work in this kind of setting. I, I don't think it would be as entertaining or as exciting um, in live action, just because of what they were able to do with the world they created. The, the animation in this is just so, so weird and in a great way. Um, I remember, yeah, you saw this film, so I want you to kind of give your two cents as well. Yeah, it's. I really love this movie. It was a pleasant surprise when I went to go see it. Um, it's just a movie I saw was playing, so I was figuring, why not? We'll, we'll go see what happens with it. And it's so cool. It's one of the rare kind of adult animated movies that you see. Um, this movie is so European. Right. Uh, it's <laughs> it is ungodly European, which is like its love for art and everyone's kind of loose and smoking cigarettes at all times and. Uh, it's so great, and yeah, the the animation in this movie is so cool. Where basically every character looks like a Picasso painting, 
their their faces are warped and some of them have more eyes than they should or less eyes than they should and <laughs> their nose is up here and the ears are down there and it's it's everyone looks like a painting um and it's like you said like this movie wouldn't work in uh, live action and i think uh, velvet buzzsaw proved that because this is the movie that velvet buzzsaw wanted to be yeah. uh, it's a killer art movie um, but this movie is just so much better and it's a really fun heist thriller, not, not a thriller, but just a really fun heist movie. Um, the, the, with globe trotting and some action and really fun. I love this movie a lot. I really hope people check this out. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a beautiful movie overall. Like it's, it, it definitely has a lot of, uh, a lot of nods and is a love letter to some high art and, uh, um, just, just art in general. And it is very European, as you said, um, it's a it's a really really fun watch. It it, it it's a movie that it, it kind of got going uh, when it started to get going. You were just kind of on this ride with this crew, and it, it it's a lot of fun to watch. And yeah, it's cool to kind of see an uh, adult comedy in that sense. Sorry, an adult uh, animated film in that sense because they aren't they are pretty rare when it comes to uh, feature lengths. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, and it's genuinely scary at times. Like when the art comes to life, it's horrifying because just <laughs> it like is. just because the animation is just so wacky and, and and demonic at times. It's it's really great. This is a sight to behold. Yeah, for sure. Um, the last last one I have here is an interesting one. This one also uh, premiered at Sundance. Um, this is the boy who harnessed the wind. Um, it was directed by uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. There you go. It's his directorial debut. He is an he's an incredible actor, and uh, to see him also now direct, and uh, he also did the screenplay for this film. I was blown away by what he was able to do here. I mean, it, it's not. Um, I mean, the film isn't super challenging in terms of emotion, um, but it is uh, an uplifting movie. It, it it's one that you can watch and learn a lot about other um, cultures. Uh, there's one scene that will always stick with me. Um, the boys in the village. Uh, yeah, it takes place in Africa. Um, I'll kind of get to the premise in a second here, but it takes place in Africa and the boys have this radio and it's pretty rare to have a radio where they live and they turn the radio on. And, uh, the first thing they hear, um, is uh, a reporting on nine 11. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but they don't, they don't really pick up on what's going on. They're just too excited and they just keep screaming, turn on the game, turn on the game. And it, uh, switches over to a, a big sporting match. And I think that, I, it will stick with me just because I, I, they weren't ignorant of the fact of what was going on, but it, it sticked with me because they, they were just so excited about having access to this radio now. And, and it was just a cool little scene. Um, this film's based on the memoir by William Cam Kwamba and Brian Mueller um, of the same name, The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. It's a pretty, pretty cool film. And as I said, it's a, it's a pretty uplifting movie. It's about a young boy. Um, he, he doesn't have enough money to go to school. Um, the uh, the famines coming into his village. It's tough times, and he ends up uh, sneaking into um, a library and kind of trying to get educated. And throughout this, he's kind of it's it's a little bit of a coming of age as well. Um, but his end goal is to um, pretty much kind of uh, build this uh, windmill for his for his town, and uh, it, it's it's pretty cool to watch. It's it's a pretty Pretty uplifting movie, and uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. He's he's a great talent. I love him so much, and to finally see him now direct his first movie, it's so cool. And this is a movie I wanted to talk about um, on the under the radar hits category because it's a Netflix film. They they got the uh, rights of it after Sundance, um, and it came out 
um, in March or a couple months ago. I, I think it may have been March. Not 100% sure, but it dropped on Netflix a few months ago. And I'm, I, I want to give this a little bit of attention because you never know with Netflix how many people are actually watching their content um, because they only seem to release the numbers when they're huge. Uh, Netflix is very secretive. I mean, I know the Adam Sandler film a couple days ago murder mystery they just released the numbers off that because something like 30 million accounts watched it in the first oh, God. or something like that <laughs> and i remember uh, bird box when that came out they announced the million tens of millions they watched that and the fire documentary so you but you never know where the kind of middle ground films are on netflix you never know how their original content does unless it's huge um so i kind of wanted to get this one out there because it's a really interesting film just in terms of kind of learning um different or just seeing different cultures from other countries and uh other spots of the world as well as kind of having this uplifting and motivational film all kind of combined into one yeah this was one that i unfortunately missed in the first half of the year i i knew it was going to netflix after it played at sundance so i figured i would just watch it there and just see all the rest of the movies i could at sundance and then I just did one thing left to another. I guess March was a busy, busy month for me. I just never saw it. And it's kind of, it's, I'm really happy that you brought this one up because I do, I do want to go back and see this. And she would tell AJ4, it's really cool to see him direct a movie. And I was really fascinated to see that because I think he's one of the best working actors today. And yeah, this, this is, this is definitely one that I think should be on a lot of people's lists. For sure. Uh, the last category we have here, before we touch on some honorable mentions at the end, uh, is the kind of the best big box office hits of the year. These are movies that are making their money, and they're also great films. So this doesn't always happen. You don't always have a huge box office hit. That's also kind of uh, acclaimed across the board. But there are some decent ones this year. There have been a lot of duds. Yeah, um, that's for sure. <laughs> but there's, <laughs> especially the last two months or so, there have been some some movies that they're not even making money and they're bad as well, which is wild. I mean, I don't know. This is going to be an interesting summer by the end. It's going to be interesting and odd movie year by the end to reflect on uh, just all the dud sequels we've had. But uh, our uh, picks for this category are pretty, pretty solid and have been acclaimed across the board, which is pretty cool. So I'll let you get going. You have some pretty, pretty good ones there. Yeah, I'll say there's definitely, there's been a lot of, re- there's been a lot of junk in this kind of category and um there's a spoiler alert here you will not be hearing us talk about dark phoenix or (laughs) men in black international or the secret life of pets 2 um which is a or aladdin or or anything like that so uh yeah uh we'll get into it here with uh my first one is john wick chapter three parabellum uh which is also the weirdest title in the franchise but it's i think it's also (laughs) the best movie uh, this, these John Wick movies just keep getting better and better to me. Uh, they keep making more money, and Lionsgate just keeps throwing more money at their budgets. Uh, so they just have more toys to play with, and Keanu Reeves just does more more crazy stunts. And uh, I, 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 there's so much to say about this movie that's already been said. It's just the crazy action, the blending of Eastern and Western sensibilities in terms of action with the gun fu, as it's been called, which is just a great term. Uh, and Keanu Reeves can just do no wrong in my eyes. He's incredible in this movie. This is his Keanu sense, if you will. We're in the right in the middle of that uh, with Always Be My Maybe and just and, and another movie that I'll talk about right now. I guess is a perfect segue. Um, is Toy Story Four, uh, which is just fabulous. Uh, it's, I was so nervous about 
another Toy Story movie. I think all of us were. Yep. Um, because because three, three was just so such a perfect ending, and so sweet and heartfelt, and it just felt odd. It felt like all the the story threads were cleaned up at the end of three. It just felt odd. They'd make a fourth one, and then I was pleasantly pl- proved wrong. And this Toy Story is four is great. Um, it's perfectly in line with the other three, which means it's outstanding. Um, I don't yep. really know how I would rank uh, these four. Uh, it's really tough. I think they're all just spectacular, and it's just it's another win for Pixar because this movie had me crying multiple times, and it's the perfect blend of Pixar magic where it's perfectly accessible to kids. They can just look at the fun, pretty colors and fun, silly characters and laugh at that, and us adults can like sob and think about our existence as they <laughs> break down just crazy lines on us like there's one line in this movie i know it's just been released but um there's one line where woody kind of talks about um bonnie and his his life as a toy and it really just kind of sums up parenthood where it's it's something to the effect of uh, you know, they, they grow up and then they leave you and they do things that you'll never ever see and that's just kind of it and it's like and that that really hit me hard and it's it's just things like that that make Pixar better than the rest. And I really love, I love Toy Story Four, um, and Keanu Reeves. To finish my segue here, plays Duke Kaboom, Kaboom, uh, which is I guess Canadian Evil Knievel in doll form. Oh yeah, he's uh, repping, <laughs> repping us up here in the uh, Great White North. Um, he's incredible. Uh, he's so great in this movie, and between this and John Wick Three, I just can't get enough of him and. It just shows how fun he is and just what a talent he is. I mean, we always kind of we always knew that Keanu was the best, but it's just really fun to see um, when you have multiple projects like of this high profile come out like very quick in quick succession to each other. And it's just you see just see them they're in their life they're on the media tour constantly and they're great in all these movies and. Yeah, John Wick Three is probably one of my favorite action movies ever made. It'll be one of my favorite. It'll be in my top ten list. And if it isn't, um, uh, this is going to be a great second half of the year because I just don't see that happening. And Toy Story Four is right in that conversation as well. And yeah, it's it's really great. Uh, these movies were fantastic, and I'm happy that they they're making money and are continuing to make money. Um, so, yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, Toy Story Four is one that I was probably my most um, nervous movie of the year, if that's a thing. <laughs> um, oh, me too. Me too. Yeah, like the first three are all just, in my opinion, so so nearly flawless. I think all three of them. You can find greatness in all three of uh, the films up to this point, and then this one it comes out, and it's it's pretty much just as good. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. It continues carrying the heavy themes. It does it well, and um, the animation is absolutely incredible. It gets better each time. But there's some there's some shots here that like they're uh, they're beautiful. I mean, I don't know if you can call it cinematography since it is all um, computer generated, but the the cinematography, the shots in this film are great, and I think it's the 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 most um, I think it's the best stylistic film in terms of the Toy Story films. I think just the 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 color schemes, the shots, uh, how everything's laid out on the screen, it's 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 the most well done of all four films in my opinion um yeah i'm so happy that this this was a great movie i'm, I'm just so happy because uh, when you think about it i mean toy story 3 wrapped up andy's arcs andy's arc uh, really well if you will but this film there's a little bit more story to tell for the toys so uh, if you're a doubter uh, i would 
definitely say go see it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just really great and emotional, and it earns every emotional beat in there. And it's a really just a really poignant and fitting end to this movie. I don't want to spoil it because I mean this movie just got released last week. By, yep. by the time we're recording this, but yeah, it's it's really great. And that kind of leads us to the little indie film that could, which would be Avengers Endgame. <laughs> uh, it's making all the money. Uh, you've all seen it. Uh, so <laughs> what do we say about this movie? Except it's just, it's a phenomenon. Um, I, I, if I'm being honest, I didn't love this movie. Uh, it was It was perfectly fine. And I think the fact that it works at all is a revelation. I think that's just incredible. Um, it has so many, it's, uh, it's literally should just be called balancing act the movie. Cause there's just so <laughs> many different things moving on, going on at once. And it's just crazy that it works at all. Um, and just by, by, by the kind of phenomenon it is, it'd be silly if I didn't mention it in this category. I, I think it has its problems. It has a lot of fan service in there, a lot of humor that didn't really work for me and, uh, stuff like that. But yeah, there's no, there's no denying that this is just like the full cultural touchstone of cinema like this decade, like it's made, it made almost $2.8 billion. Like that's crazy. And it did, oh, yeah. did something right. It did something right for that to happen. Uh, so it's really touching. There's a lot, there's great emotion in this movie and it's really solid and great send off to a few characters. And um, it's just great. And the MCU earned this cause it's crazy that they've been able to have the success for this long. And it's, it's really impressive. It's just, this is like the series finale that kind of just, everyone was okay with which is kind of crazy because we went through game of thrones where we saw the ending of that and people did not like that <laughs> so uh <laughs> it's really hard to stick the landing and um, i mean there's going to be more mcu movies that's just a fact but it's this felt like the end to something which was really cool to see yeah i know for sure if you didn't have this on your three for this category i definitely would have because i think it did a lot right it was so satisfying uh, everything came together really well um, it, it's three hours of, of, of fun, I think. Um, and each hour kind of plays out a little bit differently. Um, you get, uh, like have a lot of great moments with the original Avengers, uh, in this film. There's, there's not really much more to say. I mean, this is just a huge, huge movie that you cannot ignore at this point. Um, over $2.7 billion, almost 2.8, as you said, it's, it's, it's one of the biggest movies of all time. Uh, um, easily the biggest of the decade. This is one of the uh, biggest movies of all time, and you, you can't ignore that. It, it was done really well. It's it's a satisfying, kind of satisfying uh, kind of close, as you said, to the this sort of chapter. My three picks for this category, um, they, these are three movies that I was pretty hyped for um, for a while. Uh, going into them, I was not disappointed um, at all. The first movie on this list is Us. It's Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out. And I think if you kind of look back probably two years ago, if we were doing this uh, 2017 uh, version, I think Get Out would have probably been on the surprise, surprisingly great movies of the year, because that's a movie that people didn't really expect. Then it kind of hit, and it became huge, and it won Best Original Screenplay. I mean, Get Out is uh, going to be rooted in pop culture for the next generation um, so, so that was huge. His follow-up, highly anticipated movie, opened up to massive numbers in the box office for for an original um, R-rated movie. Um, it was great to see this thing be successful. Um, I had a great time with us. Um, I think Get Out is uh, okay. I'm not going to compare the two because I, I think 
for me, I almost they're almost identical in how I enjoyed them. I just enjoyed them in different ways. Um, Lupita Nyong'o, she was terrific in this, and I I really hope that her performance has legs because it's one that I hope gets recognized by the end of the year. Um, this is a really really great film, an interesting movie. It makes you think. It keeps you on the edge of your seat, and I I think that the cinematography in this film, the score, the editing, it's all so clean. Um, Get Out's done with quite a small budget this film uh you see jordan peele gets a lot more money in this just because of the, the success of get out um i i really like this movie i only saw it once in theaters i'll probably see it again uh by the end of the year um it's a film that overall uh it's really solid really enjoyable really entertaining uh, i know you liked it as well so i'll let you say a, a couple of things about it I'm, I'm pretty sure you liked it yeah yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I think it's it's one of those movies where I think it's the one thing that I will say about it where it's it's trying to be incredibly theme dense and also trying to make sense on a on like a purely logistical level. And I think that's where it felt like kind of fell apart for me personally, where just like some things just if you just look at them, it's like, oh, like, how did this happen? Like, what are the logistics of all these things occurring? And like this, like this doesn't really make sense to me. But I think when you there is so much to say about in, in this movie and I think it's, it's definitely one of the more ambitious movies I saw this year. And like, I, for all the faults I have in it, I just like, I want more movies like this because I think they're so fascinating to watch and pick apart. And like, as you said, like Jordan Peele directed his, directed his ass off in this movie. Like this movie is really well filmed. Uh, looks gorgeous at every turn. Um, it's just crazy good performances. You mentioned Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke is really great. And Elizabeth Moss, Elizabeth Moss, shout out to her and Tim Heidecker. They're both awesome in this movie. Like, there's so much good stuff in here um, that I can't that I can't deny it from that fact, even if I do have some issues with it. Uh, it's really fascinating, fascinating piece of work that I want to watch multiple times. Yeah, it's, it's cool that he kind of has success with this as well because he's kind of two for two now. I'm excited to see what he has next, um, and I'm glad that he 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 kept ambitious. He he kind of kept the course that he. That he's kind of on right now because this is a movie that 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 was wild and it, it paid off it worked so that's that's cool for jordan peele and i'm um, looking forward to what what he has to do next i think a lot of people are looking forward to what what he has uh coming um the next movie on this list is one that the dcu needed really badly and that's shazam um the dcu has had some hits and misses i won't go into that um even some of the movies that people loved in this franchise like aquaman i i'm not a huge fan of aquaman i think it's popcorn fun i didn't love it but it made the money and that's kind of big that's what they need but shazam kind of hit where aquaman didn't in terms of getting high praise um from all audiences and critics alike it made a good amount of money considering its budget not a huge huge massive movie by any means but a uh but a pretty large movie, especially considering it came out a little bit before Endgame. This is a movie that I really enjoyed. Um, I, I think that it, it's a great uh, kind of coming-of-age film. It's a great kind of family movie um, just because of the way everything's kind of lined up in this. You have the foster home, all, all the kids there, and it, it's kind of cool to see that put um, in such a big uh, spotlight in uh, Hollywood and in cinema. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was really lighthearted. Uh, I think it had a great, uh, great tone throughout. It was, it was so much fun to watch, in my opinion. It's not a movie that um, I think will go down as one of my favorite comic book films of all time, but it's a movie that, in terms of 
box office hits and some of the bigger movies of 2019. It's one that I'm definitely not going to forget about. It, it, it's, it was a fun movie. Um, and Zachary, uh, Levi, he, he looks like he had a great time in this movie. Um, <laughs> I, I have some issues with it, um, for sure, but his dynamic, uh, the foster home dynamic, just the whole story in general, I really dug, I think Mark Strong is, uh, he, he's a good actor, but I think he, I didn't like, uh, the direction that his character was given. Um, but that happens a lot with kind of villains and superhero movies. I feel like they lack a lot of the time. I think this is one of those movies personally. Um, but from just a pure enjoyment level, I really had fun with this movie and it's one that you leave kind of with a smile on your face. Yeah. It's one of the most just in your face, goofy superhero movies we've had in quite some time. Like a lot of them, I mean, just like, I hate to rag on DC, but just like, like Batman v Superman or Man of Steel, or they're just so self-serious and it just feels like you're just what you're in like a cemetery. There's just death <laughs> and destruction. And then Shazam comes around. It's just so light and goofy and just absurd and really funny. Uh, that it just, it's one of like the few, uh, uh, superhero movies to really capture that Sam Raimi Spider-Man kind of feel where it's not taking itself too seriously. There's just enough there to have some stakes, but it's really goofy and it understands what it is. And it's really fun. It's, it's big, the superhero movie, which is really great. Uh, Zachary Levi's having the time of his life in the lead role. And um, yeah, I have like the same issues as you and uh, some of the family stuff didn't necessarily work for me as well. Cause it's, it felt pretty um, ham fisted and things like that. But it's it's I have no problems this with us discussing this movie. It's really fun and light and um it, it's just great. It's really really silly. We don't have a lot of silly superhero movies these days. Yeah, it's 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 self aware and it it knows what it it's trying to do and it does it well and it's it's really uh, uncompromising in that way. It it it's a uh, it's just an enjoyable film for the most part. Um, the last one on my list here is Rocket Man. Rocket Man's a movie that I was looking forward to for a while and when i found out that it was going to be a musical and uh taron edgerton was going to be kind of singing all of these um great legendary elton john songs i was pretty nervous but he's a phenomenal um phenomenal uh talent and he really pulled it off here he is great in this role but he's also great singing as well his voice is great and he does a good job he he kind of adds his own twist to a lot of uh elton john's classic songs and I, I know that elton john told him to be himself in this role he he said while you, while it is a biopic while you are kind of trying to uh while you are portraying me he said put your own twist on it and i think he went out and he did that it's a it's a good movie and i think that it had a um it had a conscience a conscious uh theme throughout and i like that um they kind of go back to he's in rehab for a lot of this um film that kind of it starts off with him in rehab he's kind of talking about his life talking about some of the bigger moments in his life and it kind of flashes back throughout the film um to him in rehab and kind of the storyline all kind of meshing well I, I just like that i like that it had a constant theme it didn't just show parts of his life it showed them and it had a message and it had a tie-in uh i enjoyed this movie a lot yeah i i did too um it it definitely is still part of that typical musical biopic formula or it's the rise and then the fall and the rise again, which I I could take or leave. And that's just kind of, that was kind of where I found fault with the movie, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And as you mentioned before, it's Taron Edgerton is definitely putting his own spin on this 
on El- the on Elton John. Uh, he's really great in the movie, and that's I. It's kind of one of the reasons why I really did not like Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that like that movie, but it just wasn't for me at all. It felt like, and one of the main reasons was Freddie Mercury. Just um, Remy Malek's performance kind of really felt like an impression. Uh, there was nothing. He didn't really have put his own stamp on it. It was just try to be Freddie Mercury as much as possible with with as little of depth as possible. And where whereas here with Taron Egerton, he's like as you said, he's putting his own spin on it. He's He's kind of he's evoking Elton John without being without it being an outright parody or something like that, which I really appreciated. And he feels he feels like a genuine character, which maybe that also has to do with just this movie has better writing than Bohemian Rhapsody. But yeah, and the the really cool fantastical elements of this movie as well, where it that's kind of what sets this movie apart. I mean, it still kind of falls into those same musical biopic tropes, but just seeing. Elton John literally blast off as a rocket man <laughs> is really cool. And yeah, this movie cool. plays that was, this movie plays with that kind of stuff throughout. And that's makes it, it makes it incredibly visually interesting. And that, that it kind of, and that's what kind of sets it apart from all the other movies like this. Cause there's a lot of these type of movies, you know, it is um, an interesting film. It has a lot of choices that would kind of seem unorthodox in films like this uh, takes, I wouldn't say it takes takes risks in that respect, but it, it does different things. It plays with um, things differently. It toys with different ideas, and it, it's I, I appreciate a lot of those scenes. Uh, so that kind of wraps up our um, lists for the most part. We do have a few other movies that we do want to touch on, not kind of pertaining to any particular um, category. I know a lot of these are probably movies that we want to throw attention to, and that's why we put them here. Um, I'll let you start off with one of yours, then uh, I'll I'll say one of mine and we'll kind of get through it. I don't know. I don't have as many as you for this kind of honorable mentions kind of category, but uh, definitely looking forward to chatting. So let's get into it. Yeah. There's a couple I want to throw out here. The one I'll touch on really quickly is uh, a Netflix documentary. It's rolling thunder review of Bob Dylan story. Um, this movie was directed by Martin Scorsese, which immediately cool. piqued my interest, which is really interesting. Um, I didn't, can't say I love this movie, but I think if you are into Bob Dylan, uh, you will lose your mind over it, uh, which is why I wanted to mention it because it's 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 essentially a deep fake. It's how I would describe it because it it on purpose just says things that didn't happen to Bob Dylan. It makes up people who don't exist. People talk about like, oh yeah, I. Bob and I handled this and that for him and that person's just not real it's just some actor pretending to be someone um, and then it also blends in real stuff as well and um, which is it's really bizarre in that kind of way and it plays it straight so you never really know if I'm not the most knowledgeable person on Bob Dylan so I didn't really really know what to expect from it and I couldn't tell sometimes I knew some things are just obviously wrong but things, some things you're like oh, is that real I don't what's the deal here um, but it all kind of boils down to, and I think this is why Bob Dylan fans are going to love it, whereas Bob Dylan was all, is all about creating this type of aura around him and myth building and kind of putting his stamp on like his own mythology and things like that. Uh, and that, and this movie really plays into that really nicely. And so I've seen people who were in, if you're in the Bob Dylan, you're just going to lose your mind over it. And I think that's, I think it's worth mentioning there. I really liked it. I just can't quite get I can't quite get as far with it as someone else who loves Bob Dylan more might. Uh, but I just wanted to bring that up just in case. Um, yeah, um, for sure. And then I'll we'll kind of move on to two A24 movies here. Uh, both actually 
premiered at Sundance again. <laughs> We're sensing a theme here. It's uh, the first <laughs> one's the, the first one's the souvenir, uh, which when I first saw it at Sundance, I thought, all right, this movie was about a half hour too long. Um, really well filmed, but I, I just there's something was holding me back, and it's director Joanna Hogg who hasn't really had any films come to the States. She's made three other films, but they've all kind of stayed in the UK. Um, but this movie has really stuck with me and it has a way of getting under your skin. Um, it's a, it's a bad relationship movie um, where it's actually stars Tilda Swinton's daughter Honor Swinton Byrne. And it's oh, cool. her first movie and she's tremendous in this. She's so good. I can't wait to see what she does next. And, um, yeah, it follows her bad relationship with her boyfriend, played by Tom Burke, who is also just tremendous. And it, it kind of sheds a light on why people stay in bad relationships and that kind of feeling that you have for that, even if they're not uh, doing right by you, but it kind of feels, you feel validated by having that person in your life. Uh, and I feel like it's it plays on that really strongly. And it's, I, I can't recommend this movie enough. It gets better and better the more I think about it. It might even be one of my favorites of the year by the, by the time we, uh, this year's all said and done. I love, I love it a lot and it's really great. And there's actually, it's really cool because this is part one. So we're going to have the souvenir part two coming out uh, next year, which is cool, really cool. Yeah. It's one of those fun little indie little quirks that gets to happen every so often. So uh, definitely would recommend the souvenir. It's really delightful. Um, and then my other one, my other A24 movie is the, uh, the last black man in San, in San Francisco. Um, that's a blunt title. Uh, this movie is a. This movie has a lot to say, uh, as you can imagine. It deals with gentrification in the San Francisco area. Uh, the director Joe Talbot uh, actually grew up with the star of the movie, Jimmy Fails, and this movie kind of just recounts. It's kind of an amalgam of their life experiences in, in San Francisco, and it follows Jimmy Fails' character, whose name in the movie is, is Jimmy Fails. He's playing himself, basically. Um, and it's following following his desire to move back into this beautiful Victorian home in San Francisco that his grandfather built so many years ago, and they found hard times, and they lost the house, and he wants to, he wants to just all he wants to do is just reclaim his house and move back in, and he has a wonderful relationship with his screen partner played uh, Jonathan Majors, who plays uh, Mont Monty uh, in the movie. Uh, they both have. There, the, Joe Talbot films this movie in such a way where it's it's almost surreal at times, and it's really it's just really gorgeous to look at. The sun is always drenching the screen, and, and the sun flies through um, glass on uh, on the uh, on the walls and makes those little little lines of light that you see when the sun starts to go down. And people just are amazed at. And like, there's a true, like, you really feel the true love for this house that, that these two people have. And it's really beautiful. And it has a lot to say. And it's definitely a little too long. I'd say it's about 10, 15 minutes too long. They could have tightened it up. And that's kind of a sign of a first-time director not really knowing when to cut. Um, but, yeah, this movie is really great. Uh, I don't really want to spoil it because there's a lot to enjoy in here. Uh, and great performances from first-timers and people you may not have known before this. Um Really great, a uh, lot, lot on its mind, and yeah, it's it's awesome. Really great for stuff sure. for sure. This is a movie that when it first kind of jumped on my radar around the time it dropped at Sundance, I was looking forward to it right away. And uh, 
when finally I got to see the trailer. It's a phenomenal trailer, so I'm, I'm definitely hyped for it. Um, and it's slowly starting to expand. I know it premiered in uh, seven theaters two weeks ago. It's up to 72 now, I believe. So I'm just hoping that it kind of keeps going and going and expanding and expanding, and it kind of gets out here uh, in the greater Toronto area where I live. So um, I'm looking forward to it for sure. It's one that um, I've been hyped for for a while. So I'm glad you enjoyed it, and uh, definitely going to check that one out. Uh, one of the films on my list, uh, before I throw it back to you, is uh, Gloria Bell. Um, this is a film that I was looking forward to just because I think Julianne Moore is a terrific actress, and anything she's in, I think, has uh, intrigue right away. Um, this is a movie that I, I didn't love it, um, but I thought it was good. Um, and, and I think it could have it could have done with a little bit more... Um, I'll get to it in a second, but this is a, it's a movie about a middle-aged, uh, divorced woman, uh, Julian Moore kind of plays this character, Gloria Bell, and it's kind of just kind of showing, uh, her day-to-day, -day, uh, life kind of, um, uh, kind of in this situation. I think it's, it's really important that this kind of story gets highlighted. And that's one of the reasons I put it on my honorable mentions here, because there, you don't usually see this in, in film. You don't always see kind of the divorced middle-aged woman um and i and i'm so happy that a movie got made kind of about this topic it's a a24 film it premiered at tiff last september it finally got its uh, uh theater release in march of this year and i didn't get to catch it in theaters but i i checked it out um recently and it it is a, it is a pretty delightful film but one of the things that i think it it definitely was missing was just a a a deep kind of hard-hitting touch there, i don't think that this is a movie that will stick with me for a while um, but it was great in the moment. It's de it's a delightful movie. It's it's really well acted. Julian Moore is terrific, and uh, Sebastian Lilio, the Chilean director of this film, he is great. He's done some pretty solid movies the last few years. He did the movie A Fantastic Woman, uh, which I believe he yeah he won the Academy Award for Best uh, Foreign Language Film with that back in 2017. Um, and he had another movie called Gloria, which came out in 2013. I think he likes the name Gloria, <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Uh, he he's a pretty solid director here. He does a great job in this movie, but I just love Julian Moore's performance. She does a great job really carrying this movie, but I just wish it had kind of an extra punch um, that, that would kind of leave me with, like, they, I don't know, just a little bit more there, a little bit more substance, go a little bit deeper. Um, but, but for the most part, this is a movie that I definitely enjoyed and I definitely would recommend just because of the subject matter. I think it's just so important and it's so interesting. Yeah, and it's it is funny to note uh, with Gloria and Gloria Bell there. This is actually uh, Sebastian Lillio actually just remade his movie. Um, yeah, this is the English, English, right? yeah, it's the yeah, it's the yeah. English language adaptation of it. And the only reason he wanted to do it because he just really wanted to work, to work with Julianne Moore. Because um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's a great actress. I can't blame him for that. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm in the same line with you in this one. It's something I really admired at the, at the time, but I wrote this in my review uh, of the movie that I put on the site where it's, it's, there's, there's a little something lacking there where it doesn't really stick with you. And um, there isn't, this movie kind of, it treats itself with um, it kind of, the dialogue is very naturalistic. There's no long monologues to one, one character or another where people say what they feel like. This isn't, this isn't love actually, for instance, it's not like that type of movie where people are just kind of talking to each other and you kind of have to gather what they're saying through just how you would like you and I would talk to each other if we saw each other on the street, that type of idea. But right. yeah, it just, it just didn't quite get there. I don't really think, this movie has a ton on its mind other than kind of it's 
conclusion, which I'll save for people who actually want to see the, see the movie. But yeah, a lot of great pieces there. John Turturro is a fun little role in there, and Michael Sarah too. Um, it's yeah. just it has all the yeah, pieces. It's but, cool to see him in this kind of playing something different. Yeah, it's all it has all the pieces there, but it doesn't quite work. So um, for me, I mean, I still really liked it, but I can't say I loved it. Personally, yeah, like no, you for did. sure, for sure. Um, uh, for, for Julian Moore, I think this is a movie that she's been nominated for several Academy Awards in her life, uh, from Still Alice, Far From Heaven, Boogie Nights, and such. She's been nominated for several uh, big awards, and I think this is a movie that had potential for her to nab another, but I think just just because the movie isn't as great in quality as some of the other ones, and just because it wasn't as big as some of the other ones, I don't think she'll get it. But she definitely did a phenomenal job. Uh, in this movie, but but yeah, you're right. There was just something, just something missing, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, this was um, definitely a awards turn for her. If this movie would have done better, but and I don't think it connected with a lot of people either, which is kind of a bummer to see. But I, it's definitely great. I really liked it quite a bit. Right. Um, and I guess from there, I'll move on to another one of my movies, which is kind of the uh, it'll end the segue that I had before or the lead in that I had before. It's a Vigilante, uh, which is the other Olivia Wilde movie in 2019. Uh, this time she's starring in it as uh, as a woman who um, uh, dealt with a lot of um, a lot of uh, assault from her from her significant other, her husband. Um, they're both they both are I don't know the word for this. They like they like to go out into the woods and they're not doomsday preppers, but they like to live out in the woods and okay. uh, yep. um, prepare themselves. And they're, they're very good with uh, living out in the wild and things like that. And um, which plays into the climax of this movie, which is really great about, but basically what happens is um, uh, basically uh, Olivia Wilde's character is essentially left for dead. Uh, she's damaged very terribly and the husband goes missing. And so she has to deal with the aftermath of, being a survivor of assault and she goes to um she goes to uh talks where uh, other other women talk about their experiences um and it's really tough for her and what she kind of develops over time is kind of looking out for these women and being like a, a guardian angel of sorts where she goes out and helps women in need or um kind of Sometimes if a guy needs a beating, he gets a beating from Olivia Wilde. And it's <laughs> kind of funny to see her. Um, this, this, this isn't an action movie. This isn't, it's not that type of Taken-esque or Equalizer type of um, action movie. It's, it really just kind of hangs with Olivia, Olivia Wilde and as her character deals with grief. Um, and then we have a really great kind of schlocky third act where we get a, to see a resolution to that. Um, but it never, never fully goes fully violent because that's not really what the idea of the story is. It's just about her reconciling with what's happened to her and um, kind of going through that and learning to heal on her own. And I think it's really powerful and it's a really important message. Uh, I think in today's times in 2019, I think it's really important that this gets made and I, it's a really great movie. It's, it's really low fi low budget. Uh, Livia Wilde is great. This is probably my favorite performance of hers. She's, she has a few glares in this movie of just pure anger and and <laughs> it's just like her she's snarling and foaming at the mouth and it's just incredible it's like oh, i've never seen this from you this wasn't i didn't see this in the change up with ryan reynolds or something like that you know yeah um so it's really good i love this movie a lot i and it 
just dropped immediately on VOD, um, which is kind of bizarre. It didn't really have much of a theatrical release, but it's really great. I loved it. Yeah, it's kind of cool to see her show off a little bit of that range too, as you said. Yeah, it's very it's very self serious movie. A lot on its mind. It's really good. It's cool to see her branch out. Now she's doing a lot of branching out. This is a this is a cool year for Olivia Wilde. For sure. The other movie I want to throw in this uh, real quick is How to Train Your Dragon 3, The Hidden World, because um, this is a film that drops in February, kind of wrapping up the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy. Um, and I think it might get lost in the shuffle because uh, it came out in February. It's, it's such a long year. So much has happened since then. We've already seen other spectacular animated movies like Wonder Park and uh, Ugly Dolls. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yikes, don't remind me <laughs> uh, No, I'm, I'm, I'm just messing But we've seen a lot of different animated movies since then We've seen Missing Link, we've seen Lego Movie 2 We've seen Toy Story 4, those other kind of misses there But um, I, I gotta say, this is a movie that was really well done I couldn't quite put it on my favorite box office hits of the year Because I didn't like it as much as any other movies there Actually, out of the six we had, your three and my three this isn't better than any of those six, but it, it was still, it's kind of knocking on the door of those six. I, I'm not a huge fan of the franchise, but I think all three movies were done really well. I think the first one is one of the best animated movies of the decade. Um, I think the next two are both good movies. Um, this film has its issues. Um, uh, there were a few things that I, I didn't love. I think that it didn't, it, it kind of didn't have as great of a flow as the first film in, in the trilogy, but it tied uh, together this trilogy really well and it's it's a trilogy that was kind of unlikely um dreamworks i mean they had shrek which was a huge hit that franchise but they haven't been able to kind of get another big franchise like that besides this one this was kind of their other uh kind of big big um big franchise and i'm so glad that they got to wrap it up here with a solid solid third film and there, there's kind of a part of this movie where you kind of i don't know if you've seen it i don't know if you've seen any of the films in this trilogy have you or no i've seen Zero How to Train Your Dragon movies. <laughs> I, would, I would definitely, I want to say, I'd, I definitely would recommend checking out the first one, and then if, if you do dig that, check out the others as well. Um, because there's there's a scene in this third one, or I guess more of a kind of a couple strings of scenes where they they kind of get to the hidden world, quote unquote, and it is some beautiful animation, um, just just gorgeous to see on the screen. It was great in the theater. Um, that's the strongest part of the film. I think the movie lacks in terms of storytelling in comparison to the first two, but I think just in terms of visuals in general and kind of character dynamics, this is a strong movie. And I just wanted to throw it here because I'm so glad that they got to make a solid trilogy. All three of these movies are really great movies. Um, and yeah, I just, I just had to really put it in there because I'm just happy that they got to, they got to tie it up well. And I would definitely recommend checking out this franchise if, if it's one you've, passed up um but yeah i wanted to wanted to just throw it in there because it is a february release as i said you don't want it to get lost in the shuffle um but yeah it's it's a, it's a solid movie for the most part yeah i, I definitely need to the how to train your dragon movies have been a sore spot on my filmography for a while and i know i know i'm gonna like them and they look all great and the trailer for the third one looked as you mentioned mesmerizing just the animation looked brilliant in it so yeah i i will be catching up with this at some point hopefully by the end of the year so maybe this makes my end of the year list who knows i really i definitely want to check this one out though and then i guess that leads to our last film and jesus i I need to get hosed down after this this has been a long one i love it (laughs) (laughs) so many movies Uh, this is great Um, it's good yeah, and so my last movie was actually one I just watched the other day because I thought I I had a sense that 
I might like this movie a lot and it might be included in, in this podcast. And I, it happened and this movie's great. And that's, this is Her Smell, um, which uh, it's kind of, and this could be an under the radar um, poss- uh, hit as well. Uh, it's really just, I had to watch this movie. All right, we'll, we'll start at the beginning here. So Her Smell, um, directed by Alex Ross Perry, uh, is stars Elizabeth Moss, who, who's basically a Courtney Love. Um, she's like a 90s rocker, grunge. Um, she's just bombed out on every drug imaginable uh, at all times. She is just struggling, and she is a, a, a nightmare to everyone around her. And so this movie is essentially five vignettes uh, with and five different parts of her life and her career. And uh, it's kind of just shows her either backstage or on stage or kind of in her own little little quarters and it's it is brutal to watch man this movie doesn't hold a single punch and uh, there's not it doesn't really show rampant drug use i don't actually think you see a single person at, well you don't you don't see her uh the elizabeth moss character take drugs the entire movie if i'm correct but uh you kind of just see her just how her toxic lifestyle just affects everyone around her and everyone's just losing their minds and tension is building and building. And it is so difficult to watch. And after I got through like the second vignette, I had to take a break from this movie because it gave me serious anxiety because you're just watching this, you're watching this life just, just, just disappear and just break down in front of your very eyes. And it's, it is so brutal to watch and people are yelling at each other and, Elizabeth Moss's character is spouting just nonsense that, that is oddly poetic and rhymes. And it's just so weird. And she's into like really weird spiritual, uh, just stuff. And she has people, she wants, she has seances and it's just all the weird stuff you would think of some person who's just on drugs as a, as a, um, some type of musician. Uh, she is, wild and this is one of my favorite performances of the year i i don't know she probably won't get any type of awards recognition because this movie hasn't really done well financially but elizabeth moss is amazing in this movie and uh yeah i can't recommend it enough it is really brutal to watch and you'll know within the first 10 minutes if this movie is for you um it just kind of drones with its score there's another great score movie where it's just kind of just disparate sounds in the background with like a trumpet like or some type of other sound that doesn't sound necessarily like it goes together, but it really does well, and it just kind of heightens that tension. Uh, this movie is just brutal. I, I hated watching it, but I also loved watching it. <laughs> <laughs> loved Pete. Man, that's that's good to hear, because I heard a lot of uh, good things about this movie. I'm definitely going to check it out as soon as I can, so I'm glad that you enjoyed it there. And Elizabeth Moss, she's having kind of a little bit of a year as well with this and us as well. Yeah, she is uh, she is unbelievable. I can't get over her in this movie. She's really great. She commands the screen at all times. Um, she's haunting, sometimes oddly funny, um, sometimes just unbelievably tragic. Uh, she's great. She runs the gamut in this movie. It, it's yeah, it's one of my. It's probably my, my favorite performance of the year, um, either male or female. She's tremendous. Good stuff, man. And I must say that kind of concludes our. Uh, honorable mentions and our entire list for the night, but I got to say it's it's early in the year. I mean, it's the halfway point kind of on the calendar, but in terms of movie season and kind of some of those 
um, awards caliber movies uh, or Oscar bait. So they say it's quite early in the year for those. So I'd say by the end of the year, what we like might look a little bit different. I know a lot, a lot is going to come out come fall movie season. And it's pretty interesting because it's kind of been an odd year. We were discussing this before we went on. It's been a really weird year for movies um, just with all the box office duds and uh, end game kind of blowing up. And uh, you have a couple movies that are kind of, picking up steam when you wouldn't expect them to. You have some movies that we didn't really think were going to be big, like Aladdin, hard to kind of place that. That's kind of blown up. There's been a lot of uh, indie movies and Sundance movies that have found kind of interesting distribution, like uh, The Boy Who Harnessed uh, the Wind and stuff like that. They kind of drop on Netflix. So it's interesting to see where all these movies land. I'm looking forward to the second half of the year, though, 100%. Yeah, I'm definitely looking for. There's a few films that I'm really looking forward to, like Midsummer, which comes out next week, and once upon a time in Hollywood, which I'm sure is going to be fascinating to watch. And there's just so many others. And this, it sounds like from what I've read so far, it sounds like this award season is going to be actually really great. There's going to be a lot of great films. So yeah, I think this is definitely the first step into creating our best of the year lists. Um, I definitely see a lot of these movies sticking around. Like I like, I love a lot of these movies. I think, I think uh, the beach bum is definitely going to be there. Uh, John Wick three and, bunch of others uh but yeah there's a lot to go in this year and hopefully it writes the ship because you're right this has been an odd year for movies i can't really pin down or describe it really uh and it's definitely and the box office is down from last year and it, it's definitely weird but there has been a lot of great stuff and hopefully we uh showed and enlightened uh, our listeners out there about a few of these yeah for sure that's kind of the main point of this i mean we want to we want to highlight some movies that maybe aren't on everyone's radar maybe aren't uh aren't kind of picking up steam and in all respects or in the box office. So it's kind of cool that we got to talk about that. Um, but for sure, just to conclude, I, uh, want to say thanks again, Nick, for coming on for the first kind of babble with Brennan, uh, presented by movie babble. That's pretty, pretty great to have you on for the first episode here. Looking forward to a lot of great episodes down the road as well. <laughs>